All right, we want to uh, greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful to everyone that is <clears throat> that is here today. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter. First Samuel, the fifteenth chapter. I want to, uh, while you are turning there, there's a message on YouTube, and I think, as far as I I'm concerned it is one of the most important messages of this generation and it was preached by a man that I highly respect have a lot of respect for him uh, he's going on to be with the Lord now uh, but I highly respect that man and his ministry and uh, of course the name of the message it was preached by Pastor Stephen Darby from Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, the name of the message is Dishonor Everywhere. And uh, my prayer is that if you are watching this message today, that you will go and look up that message, Dishonor Everywhere, by Pastor Stephen Darby. And uh, look that message up and uh, watch it. Uh, because it is an answer to a lot of people's problems. Dishonor everywhere. Pastor Darby, he said a lot of things, you know, and, I, and I'm the type of person. <laughs> uh, and when somebody preached something under the anointing, I let them preach it. And uh, of course, us as a congregation, uh, we sat down and we watched that message together. Uh, so, you know, there's, I have a lot of respect for him, his ministry. And uh, I, I will really, really uh, suggest that you, if you haven't seen that message, that you go watch it. In that message, he said that honor is the currency of heaven. It is the currency of the kingdom. Now, when he's talking about currency, he's talking about money or the exchange. In other words, you don't get anything out of and from the kingdom of God without honor. You have to have honor. If you don't, not, we're not talking about honor for yourself. We're not talking about self-respect. We're talking about honor for those who are ahead of you, who are above you. We're talking about that kind of honor. And I'm telling you, one of the biggest problems in the church today and in the world today, but in the church, is the lack of honor. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we can't get anywhere in the kingdom of God if we don't honor people. We have to have honor. Nobody, nobody is a lone ranger in the kingdom of God. Nobody. That's the reason why, you know, I, Brother Harold and I, we did that, the... Uh, on one of the broadcasts, and we had, uh, we had an excerpt from one of Bishop T.D. Jakes' uh, messages. 
and you know, we, we had people contact me over, well, why are you putting that, why are you putting that man on your YouTube channel? You know, going off of something he said years ago that they didn't like, whatever the case was. There's a lack of honor in the body of Christ, and I am very aware that when people sit on their stool and point fingers and what they don't know nothing about, now the Bible makes that clear about it now, that they'll do the same for me. I don't, I don't jump teams with people. Does everybody understand that now? Hold your spot there. Let's go to the book of Jude just real briefly. I want to show you some honor. The book of Jude. Now, Jude was a biological brother of Jesus Christ. Now, his full first name was Judas, but they call him Jude for short to separate him from Judas Iscariot. The, the book of Jude, what chapter are we going to? <laughs> The man said a mouthful in this chapter here. Is everybody there? All right. No, let's uh, read this. We're going to start reading. Let's start reading in verse 5. It says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. What did he do? That did what? Does it give any other reason why, why he destroyed them? He destroyed them why? Because they didn't believe. Isn't that something? Now, that don't let you know what God thinks about unbelief. Unbelief ain't something simple. He destroyed people because of their unbelief. Not encouraged them to get to the altar and, and conjure some belief up. He destroyed them because of their unbelief. Everybody see that now? Let's go ahead and keep reading. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Everybody see that? And so now you, you see now why I say sometimes that fallen angels cannot repent, that they're reserved that judgment has, is, is reserved, everybody see that? In everlasting what? Chains. Under darkness, until the judgment of the great day. Everybody see that? Now you know it ain't just fallen angels that's in chains and, and just waiting for the day of judgment. People are as well. There are some people, uh, they go so far with God and keep playing games with them until God just puts them in chains under darkness and you just sit back there and just wait until judgment day. I'll deal with you then. We see somebody and you may say, well, what, what scripture do you have for that? Look at what happened to Esau. The Bible says after he did what he did and sold his birthright, he sought the Lord carefully with tears, looking for a place of repentance and couldn't find any. He cried and cried and cried and asked. See, he thought it was going to work like it had worked in the past. And that's what people are. They turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. They just think, well, I, you know, I did, the Lord accepted me a hundred times. He'll accept me now. You know, after a while, the Lord knows you're playing games. 
And all your, all your little repentance have to do with is you trying to ease your own conscience until you go out and do it again. God knows when we're trying to just ease our conscience versus us trying to make things right with him. Does everybody see that now? So let's go ahead and keep reading. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Verse 8, likewise, likewise. <laughs> everybody see that now? So everybody can look at Sodom and Gomorrah and say, well, they're no more. They don't exist anymore. God destroyed them. God destroyed those cities with fire and brimstone. All those wicked men. And of course, you know, some of us, we've read in the book of Jasher about all of the wickedness that they were doing. Like the, the more details about it. But look at what this says. What does verse 8 say? Likewise. In other words, it ain't, Sodom and Gomorrah ain't just, they're not the only ones to carry that crown. Look what it says. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers. Now you keep in mind now what it says. Defile the flesh. Everybody see that? In other words, they serve their own flesh. What else do they do? Despise who? Despise who? People that are in authority. Don't like authority. Your judgment is waiting. You sitting on side of Sodom and Gomorrah for judgment day. Y'all gonna all be in the same stands. Likewise. Likewise. God looks at people who don't like authority the same way he looked at Sodom and Gomorrah. What did he do for them? He destroyed them. And it's a likewise. Likewise. What? These filthy dreamers. What filthy? Why does it call them filthy dreamers? Why does it call them filthy dreamers? Because they got some grandiose idea of who they are. That's what makes there be no authority in their lives. That's why the Bible calls them filthy dreamers. We are not the same. And I'm telling you, Pastor Darby said it better than anybody can say it. If you were me, I would be there and you would be here. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? He was saying that walking sideways. I'm looking at you saying it. If you were me, you would be here and I would be sitting out there. <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? So he called them filthy dreamers. And look what they say is, defile who? The flesh and do what else? Despise dominion. Can't stand authority. Can't stand to be around somebody that if they tell them to do something, they're going to have to do it. So I'll just stay away. Despise authority. You Sodom and Gomorrah. Does anybody see that? It's not God's fault that you don't like authority. Does everybody understand that? No, that's not God's fault. <laughs> Look what else it says. And they speak evil of who? 
dignities, those that are in authority. Does everybody see now? So if these people had honor, they wouldn't do that. I tell you, brothers and sisters, it's not a light thing to speak evil of what you don't know. Let's go and keep reading. Let's go down to verse 10, and then we'll go back to verse 9. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know what? How? Naturally. But what they know how? Naturally. Naturally. With their carnal mind. They're trying to figure out the things of God and going against what he's placed in authority. Just the fact, just the fact that you were given birth to by your parents means you should honor them. It ain't the other way around. You were given birth to by your parents. If, if God intended for your parents to bow down to you, you would have given birth to them. Trust me, he's the one that set the order. He set the order. So you, you don't, if they had to change your diaper, they're better than you. God is the one that set the order. And if you were better than them, you'd have gave birth to them. Did everybody see that? And so then you got folks uh, that, who, whose parents made the mistake of befriending them. Trying to be on good terms with them. I, I wish I would. Parents trying to be friends with them. Scared to hurt their little feelings. Scared to hurt their feelings. We're talking about feelings. Something that they're going to get over in two minutes. Scared to tell their children no. They'll cry for a minute and then they'll forget all about that no. They'll go find a grasshopper outside to play with. <laughs> Everybody understand that. Grasshopper's my friend. He don't say, never say. Every time I come outside, he's standing here by the door. They done forgot about you and your no. <laughs> Does everybody see? But what are we doing in there praying? Lord, was I right in telling them no? Should I make this right? <laughs> what kind of chance do the children have? <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? We lack honor, brothers and sisters. We lack honor. And what happens is when a generation is raised that don't want to say no and that don't honor authority, they don't know how to be an authority to their children either. The children don't know who the parents are. Oh, so are you the parent today? Oh, okay. Does everybody see that now? So is that God's will? Look at what that says. But those speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts in those things they do what? Corrupt themselves. Now let me ask this question. What is five plus five? How do you know that? Somebody in authority told you that. But you know when you received it? When you could accept authority. 
You might have been five, six, seven years old when you learned that. So it stuck with you. How many of you had to count on your fingers? Didn't it stick with you? And the things that God intends for you to learn only stick with you when you have honor for authority. That's the reason why people can hear the message today and turn around tomorrow and fall right into the trap of the devil because they don't have honor for the authority that's preaching it. That's why. Oh, you got a good memory. What's five plus five? How do you know that? Is that something y'all rehearse every day? Do you have to go back over your little school books? Does everybody see now? Yeah, you retain it. Honor gives you a memory. Honor helps you retain it. Does everybody see now? So then it says, verse 9. Let's go back to verse 9. It says, yet, yeah, now we're talking about, aren't we talking about honor? What did verse 8 say? They despise dominion, and what else do they do? Speak evil of who? Dignity. Now let's read verse 9. Yet, Michael, the ark, the who now? The peon angel? What, which one? The, the, the archangel. The general of generals. Notice it don't say one of the archangels. It says the archangel. What does it say? When contending with who? With who now? Who was he contending with? Concerning what? Disputed about the who? What does... what? Does the body of Moses have anything to do with Michael or the devil? Not a thing. So this was a trap to get that one archangel to fall as well. How was it going to get him to fall? It's going to keep reading. Dared not bring against him. Who was him? The devil. What? A railing accusation. He didn't speak evil of him. But said what? The Lord rebuke you. You know why? Because Michael understand the Bible. I can't speak evil of dignities. The devil is a dignitary. Whether you like it or not. He's the prince of this world and God allowed it. God allowed it. Now, if we can't speak evil of the devil, we can't speak evil of anything from the devil to God. Anything in between. That archangel, Michael, honored the devil after he tossed him out of heaven. Still had honor for him. And some of us, we just learning to wipe our snotty nose. And don't honor and respect anything. Isn't that something now? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we got to have honor. We have to have honor. Does everybody, in, in life, 
And honor, and I, and I wanted us to go to the scripture to show you, honor is not based on who you think deserve it. It ain't based on your system. Does everybody understand? When I was growing up, anything older than me was yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir. And, and, and we didn't have to fight and you whooped my behind for me to know you were a sir or a ma'am. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? I think it was about the third time. I, I didn't know I had a sister until I was a grown man living in Mississippi. And about the third time I went to see her, uh, my wife came with me. We went, we were, she was sitting in bed and we were sitting on the edge of the bed, at the foot of the bed, talking. And when she was talking, it was yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes ma'am. She hadn't done anything for me. When I was little, she didn't come take me and have lunch with me anywhere. I didn't know she existed, but it was still yes ma'am, no ma'am. Does everybody understand that now? And I, you know, the Bible tells us to train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from that. It says, train up a child in the way that they should go. God wants them to go to heaven. You train them. As parents, you put them on that road. Or you can put them on the wide road. And I'm telling you the quickest way to hell is dishonor. That's the quickest way. The devil knew it. That's the reason why he brought up this little argument to the archangel Michael. I'll get you to disobey one of God's principles. Just call me out of my name. Yeah, I'm the devil, but say something else about it. Isn't that something now? <laughs> All of the judgment that the devil's got coming to him, God have already pronounced it. He don't need our help with it. And that's what, and that's what flesh and blood as well. All of the judgment that's coming to flesh and blood, it's already set in stone. He don't need your dishonor to help carry it along. Does everybody see now? Brothers and sisters, we have to honor. We have to have it. You're not, you don't go far in the kingdom of God without honor. You have to have honor. And I'm telling you in the Old Testament, God, in the book of Numbers, God thought so much about honor that one day the brother and sister of Moses was talking about him behind his back. And not just even just, just going on and on about it, just it, did God really just, is God only talking to him? He talks to us too. Now that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous mindset to have. They weren't lying. God was talking to them. But they were not Moses. Moses had something on them. What was that? God spoke face to face with Moses. And when God came down to judge them, God told them, I speak to Moses face to face. So why were you not afraid to speak against him? 
Just the fact that I can sit face to face across the table from this man and talk to him. That right there should have kept your mouth shut. Isn't that something now? And brothers and sisters, it's a shame. I've seen people come and go in this ministry and everybody that have left have had a miracle come to them through this ministry and still found room for dishonor. Still found room. You can ask them all, did God do this? Yes, God healed me. But, but what? I'm full of dishonor. Can't stand authority. You know, when people can't stand authority, they don't stay anywhere long. They don't stay anywhere long. Every place they go to is a problem. Because everywhere they go, everywhere in this world is authority. Everywhere. So they can't stay put long. Nowhere. They're going to always find something wrong everywhere they go. It ain't never about the lesson they're supposed to learn. It's always about what somebody else is doing to them. Does everybody see that now? So brothers and sisters, we have to have we have to have honor. And I tell you, it's a, it's a very difficult thing when people's parents have made the mistake of becoming their friends and being their friends. And then they come to a ministry like this where the leadership isn't, don't care about being anybody's friend. God didn't put me here to be your friend. That's what the third grade was for. That, that was your time to make friends. You go on any job. Let me prove it. You go on any job. You find a supervisor that's too close and too friendly with the subordinates. It's all kind of junk going on. Ain't none of the orders right. Because people got it in them. They purposely try to befriend authority so that they can slack off. That's not the way this ministry runs. I'm the daddy. I'm the daddy. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> and anything that comes through them doors better know it. Does everybody understand that now? <laughs> you know, the Bible says, let the elders that rule well be counted of double honor. Does everybody see that now? You know, we've we seen ministries. You know, one of the ministries over in, in uh, Nigeria, T.B. Joshua's ministry, a lot of the people there called him daddy. I understand why. I've had people come to me, you know, in the past, you know, because we, we have, there have been times in the past where I've had to address things in the church, you know, in the general church, not this church, but just in general. And one of the things that people had a problem with was some of the people in the congregation calling particular pastors daddy. I understand why. If the pastor, if you don't look at him as a father figure, you're in the wrong place. Your natural daddy fed your belly. 
your spiritual feeds your soul. Your natural daddy, your natural daddy, his responsibility was to get you to adulthood. Your spiritual daddy responsibility is to get you to heaven. Now who's more honorable? Does everybody understand that now? And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, you ain't got to dishonor one to honor the other. <laughs> well, I only got one room for one daddy, so. <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? <laughs> so we, we have to cover the honor. God is moving us into, you know, in my uh, experience as a minister of the Lord, it, God always clean house. Always. He always clean house before he stack it again. Always. God always cleans house. God always remove dishonor before he bring other children in. Always. It's a, almost a sad thing to see if you're not spiritually minded and don't know what's going on. But he always clean house. That's the reason why when people leave, we don't run after him. Keep on going. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I hate to say it. I hate to say it. But it come to me to say it, and I have to say it. People got all kind of ugly on the inside of them. We had one family leave. And the brother said, if I send anybody to his house, or if I go there, I'm going to have to talk to him with his gun on his lap. That didn't just get there after he left. Does everybody see that now? That dishonor was there sitting here. But you got the wrong one. <laughs> I'm not scared of guns. I've been shot at less than five feet away, the gun aimed at my head. Shot at. I heard the bullet come out of the gun. But it didn't hit me. You know where it hit? At my feet. <laughs> and I was out in the world. I wasn't living for the Lord. This was not a testimony until I got saved. <laughs> Does everybody see that now? But people have that dishonor in them and then think I'm going to go and beg for it to come back. <laughs> you got the wrong one. I follow what my master did in this Bible. When folks leave, I turn to everybody else and say, are you leaving too? I don't believe it. Listen, brothers and sisters, 
I don't have to have a church full of people to preach. As long as I got a mirror, that's okay. I'll preach to that one in the mirror. It'll be two of us. The one that God is using and the one that need to hear it, which is me. So we don't continue to go down this road of dishonor. People, listen, brothers and sisters, people don't just get ugly overnight. They don't just get ugly overnight. And I'm telling you, when dishonor is on the inside of people, it's some ugliness there that they do their best to try to hide. I'm, I'm gonna tell you about me. I don't like being around people who are just looking for the opportunity to curse me out and let me know what they really think about me. <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? We have to have honor, brothers and sisters. And I'm telling you, it's just been my experience. I always know when God is about to send other people here, it always happens. And, it's, and it, ain't, it don't take months either. I always know because he clean house. He get rid of the offended folks. Always. Does everybody understand that now? So we have to have honor. <laughs> you know, if, if people knew now just how ugly folks get on the inside. That, that's why I say, you, you know, if, if you don't like authority, ask God to help you to learn to love it. Because that's the only way you're going to grow. What's five plus five again? What is it? And it was easy for you to learn that. Because when you were younger, you had some type of honor for authority. But let's say, for instance, you're six years old, you're seven years old, and you don't have any honor. How are you going to learn from people when you don't have honor? Can you imagine all the children in here just decide they're going to rebel and they're not going to receive anything anymore because they're grown? So the teacher's standing up trying to teach them, look, uh, five plus five is ten. No, it's not. And you know what happens? This one says it's 16. This one says it's 30. They, they, got, they got to pray about it on their own and get their own answer about it. So that one received from the Holy Spirit and that is 20. And we have exactly what we have today going on. Every church got a different revelation. Because there's no honor. What were they supposed to honor? This. This is the math book. And it says 5 plus 5 is 10. <laughs> and when we get away from this, it, 5 plus 5 is anything you want it to be. And listen, and you know the danger of it is, you got one individual, you got little Mikey. Today he says it's 20. Tomorrow, because he don't feel like saying 20, it's 30. It's whatever he feel like living at the time. Isn't that something? I tell you what, wouldn't we be in trouble if this Bible adjusted to itself to a moody God? This Bible don't change because of people's experience. Does everybody understand that? Let's think about this now. 
Ephesians 5. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Doesn't it say that? I say, does it say that? Unless, footnote, did y'all read the footnote at the bottom of the page? Unless you've been hurt by a man, then you got to grow to trust him. He's got to take you out and wine and dine you and show you that he really cares. Y'all see that in your footnote? No, God don't have footnotes. He mean what he say the first time. He get it all out. He don't have any revised versions of his word. <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? So I'm trying to show you why 5 plus 5 equals 10. It means what it says. Does everybody see? But listen, this honor says I just do what I feel like. Is that God's will? Brothers and sisters, go listen at that video. Go watch that video. Go watch that video. If you haven't watched it, watch it. You know the danger of dishonor? You can sit and you can watch that video like most of us in here, we've already seen the video. But if you have an ounce of dishonor, you're not going to get everything you're supposed to get. You'll go back and you'll rewatch it and you'll hear something you didn't hear the first time. Not because you checked out, not because you went to the bathroom, but because your heart didn't like what it was hearing. Does everybody see that now? And you know the Lord wants this ministry, just like any other ministry, to be a ministry of, of honor. And I'm not saying this because I think anybody here has an issue with dishonor. But I'm saying it, and so somebody here has an issue. <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? I tell you what, you want to know what people think about you, just fall out with them. Just, 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 just don't let them get their way in something. You, 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 you'll see what they really think. I tell you, people get ugly. People get ugly, brothers and sisters. And, and, and the ugly just don't show up after the argument or after the fallout. Does everybody understand that now? We have to have a place in our hearts to receive this word. Does everybody understand? We have to have a place in our hearts to receive this word if we're going to grow in the Lord. Everybody see that now? Hmm. So I had a, a dream. Might have been last year sometime. It was after Pastor Stephen Darby passed away. And in that dream, he and I, we were sitting together, facing each other. And in that dream, we were both, it seemed like we were both about 10 feet tall. We were taller than normal humans. And I understood that this, this represented our rank and file in the kingdom of God. And we sat across from each other, maybe three feet apart, just looking at each other. And he asked me something about a miracle he had saw. And I told him about it. And I understood this, that there was a mutual respect between he and I. I don't know if he ever knew who I was in his world, and that's not my business. I ain't, I'm not preaching to be known. 
but I knew who he was. And there was a mutual respect, and it was nice to me to sit across from a man of God, and this is what I understood about him. In him, there was no jealousy. There was no malice. He was the type of individual, if he said something, you could depend on it. And he was him all the time, all the time. You can depend on Pastor Darby being Pastor Darby all the time. He was like a Paul. What I believe, I'm going to run full speed with it. And if the Lord tells me something different, I'm going to run full speed with that. But either way, I'm going to run full speed, and you're going to know where I stand. I'm not going to be in between, caught in between two opinions or anything like that. What he believed, he believed with his whole heart, and he preached it with passion. And so I was sitting across from him, and I understood. And this is what the Lord spoke to me in that dream. He's one of the only preachers without jealousy, without malice. And, you know, that's a sad thing to think about. It's very, very, very difficult to be around people with different motives. They're your best friend as long as they're getting what they want to get out of you. Now, I'm not saying that that's something that I'm dealing with. I'm just speaking in general. I, I've just always been the type, if, I'm, if I, I love people, I genuinely love them. And, that don't, and my love for you have nothing to do with what you're doing for me or what you think you're doing for me. So when I was sitting across from him, I understood he was a real individual. And one of the things he said uh, in that message, honor is the currency of the kingdom. That's something that the Lord had brought to my mind this morning on the way here. Honor is the currency of the kingdom. Now, again, I want you all to go, if you're watching this message, you go find that message, dishonor everywhere, and watch it. I'm not going to re-preach that message and that, that, because that's how I am. He was anointed to preach it. You go watch that anointing preach it. Does everybody see that now? No, I'm not the type of preacher. I hear somebody preach something, then I try to re-preach it and, and say the same things they say. I'll send, you, I'll send you to that channel. Go watch it there. Does everybody understand that now? Why? Because I don't have any malice. That man was a real man of God. No malice, no jealousy, no nothing. Just Does everybody understand that now? So here was the Lord spoke to me now. It, it, as we're moving on into these kingdom messages, we have to have honor if we're going to receive them. You have to have honor if it's going to do you any good spiritually. Does everybody see that now? So here was what the Lord spoke to me. Just like honor is the currency of the kingdom, faith is the key that unlocks the door to the kingdom. And today, <laughs> y'all thought I've been preaching. We're just starting now. 
<laughs> so, uh, yeah, ain't that good? We got some more words. <laughs> Faith is the key that unlocks the door to the kingdom. Now, faith supersedes your natural reasoning. You show me a person that catered to their faith, uh, catered to their flesh, I'll show you a person that's lacking in the faith walk. You show me a person that caters to their flesh, do what they feel like doing, uh, don't, or not doing something that they don't feel like doing. I'll show you a person, that same person, every single time that's lacking in their faith walk. Does everybody understand it now? So we're going to look at something, just real briefly. What's the date, by the way? What's the date? What is it now? 9-11. That's the name of this message. 9-11. Faith sees the urgency. Faith sees the urgency. And when we're done with this message, you'll understand very clearly what we're talking about. Why it takes faith to see the urgency. Does everybody understand? So what did I tell y'all to turn to? 1 Samuel 15. Let's go there now. And we're going to... Now, I don't know how many times we've gone over this story, but I imagine everybody here know it now about Saul's disobedience. Isn't that right? And this was the one incident that caused God to reject him. Is it that right? All right. And we're not going to... 15 chapter, 1 Samuel, start reading at verse 1. It says, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus said the Lord of hosts, I, everybody see that? Thus said the Lord of hosts, what? I, who is I? The Lord of hosts. Now, brothers and sisters, this is your verily, verily. Every time you hear me stop and try to point this out, this has to stick with you if you're going to get the rest of it. Everybody understand? Look what it says. Thus said the Lord of hosts, I, who was I? The Lord of hosts. What did he do? Remember. Thus said the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from what? Egypt. And you'll find that in the 17th chapter of the book of Exodus. Now, we're just going to give you scripture references to go to. We don't want to go through all these scriptures. But in the 17th chapter of the book of Exodus, after God had defeated, defeated, Egypt, uh, defeated Egypt for them, the first enemy they come across were the Amalekites. And who remembered that? Who remembered it? The Lord of hosts remembered it. Why didn't they remember it? Because this is some seven, eight hundred years later. They done moved on. The Amalekites ain't bothering them. The, Mal the Amalekites ain't bothering them. That, that's ancient history. They ain't never done nothing to me. But who said it? 
I remember. Who said that? The Lord of hosts. I remember. I remember. Everybody see that? What they did to Israel, how he laid wait for him. Now, who was Amalek? The man. He was the grandson of Esau. Amalek was the grandson of Esau. Now, you just have to know what spirit was there. What spirit was it? Israel, in other words, Jacob, stole what rightfully was mine. Yeah, dad was hungry. He didn't have to do all that. But right is right. So these people, listen, it didn't happen to them. Esau been dead and gone by that time. 400 years later, Esau, Esau had been dead. But the spirit of Esau was still in his descendants, still in Amalek. So when, when Amalek's children, great-great-great-grandchildren, got word that Israel was coming out of Egypt and it looked like they were moving towards the promised land, we got a problem. Okay, so yeah, y'all got out of Egypt, y'all escaped that, but now y'all gonna face us. And if you read that, that was the war where as long as Moses had his arms up, they were winning the war. Who was those people? That was Amalek. Those were the, really the offspring of Esau through his grandson, Amalek. Everybody see that now? And so here God, some 700 years later, he's bringing it to folks that just read that in the history books. I remember what Amalek did. When Israel came out of Egypt, I remember, I remember. But what did flesh say? Let's go and keep reading now. Look at verse 3. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly do what? All that they have and do what? Spare them not, but slay both who? And who? Ox, sheep, camel, ass, anything that's moving up in there. Kill it. Everybody understand that? He's talking to some people, listen, that were not offended at Amalek. Faith sees the urgency. Faith don't wait until it's got, oh, so, okay, now I understand. Now I'll wipe your backside for you. Faith sees the urgency. Faith obeys God, even when it don't understand why. Now let me prove it. That's the way some of us parents raise our children. A five-year-old junior, he can get in, in the car and drive it and wreck it around the corner. It don't bother me because that wasn't my car and it was your daddy's car that I've been told him to sell. But let you come dip your finger in this pot. Does everybody understand that now? The Bible tells us to discipline our children. 
put the rod to their backside and don't spare for their crying. And I, I'm, I, I just want to share with you how lopsided it is when it's flesh and blood that's, that's not walking by faith. Children can be sitting on their parents' lap, punch mama in her face, in her nose. Uh, it's, it's okay. Now, me personally, I'm going to just say this. I don't believe in whooping children for everything. I only, I only believe in defiance. When, when there's just outright defiance, you know the rules and you still break it, you're going to get spanked. But when parents aren't balanced, balanced by faith, the child can go rob a bank and they just misunderstood. We'll pray for them. But let, you, let them get on your nerves. You done had a bad day. You ain't getting along with their daddy. All they got to do is walk by you and just look your way. And you swatting them across the room. The imbalance. Faith sees the urgency. I don't want you going to jail for punching people. So if I see you ball your fist up, I'm going to pop you. I'm going to get rid of all that fight. And you ain't got to do nothing to me personally. I'm raising you because I see by faith you on your way to jail. By faith, I see it. I see the urgency of it. And you, ain't, and you ain't got to hurt my feelings for me to spank you. That's dangerous. Does everybody understand that? The Bible says the rod of your anger will fail. Your little feelings, I'm talking to parents, your feelings shouldn't have anything to do with whether or not a child gets spanked or disciplined in any way. If you wait until they don't hurt your feelings or you're aggravated, you're wrong. Does everybody see that now? <laughs> my my ex-wife used to she used to tell me, "You psycho." Because I ain't have to be mad to spank a child. I ain't, I ain't, it ain't got nothing to do with me. You didn't hurt my feelings. You just did something that was wrong, that's all. I'm still daddy after this is over. In other words, she couldn't understand how I could spank a child and not be upset. I ain't got to, it's not going to go that far. If I'm upset with you, I don't already let you get away with too much. <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? And so I'm trying to show you the state of this situation. I'm trying to show you why Saul disobeyed because the Amalekites didn't do anything to Saul yet. God told him to utterly destroy all that they have, spare them not, slay both man and woman, infant and suckling. Can you imagine? God of the universe and everything else that we don't know about. 
telling King Saul. Is that little baby? Is she awake? Bring her here. This that one right there. Come on. Come on. We're about to make you famous. Come on. Up this way. Here. Here. to see this little girl here. Uh, isn't that precious and cute? But what are we just reading the Bible? What did we just read in the Bible? This was an infant in the Bible. Now could you imagine walking upon something this precious? And doing something to harm her, taking her life. Could you imagine that? No, she couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine? Does anybody understand? I'm trying to show you what they were up against. We've talked over and over about Saul's disobedience. But listen, God said to kill. Go ahead, go, go sit down. God said to kill. Infants. Is that what we read in the Bible? And if that had been some of us, we'd have sat and we'd look. Okay, I'm gonna watch, see how you act. Let me see. Let me see if you can get on my nerves so I can get the strength to do this. We'd have to build ourselves up to do something like that. I'm trying to show you, you know, we talk about Saul and his disobedience. We went over this chapter over and over again, but I'm trying to make him human to you. Trying to make these words come alive to you. What he was up against. He didn't want to kill babies. He didn't want to kill people that had never done him anything wrong. But that's the reason why we read in verse 2, I remember. I remember. This ain't about your relationship with them. This ain't about what they've done to you and whether or not they've got on your nerves. I remember. It's urgent to me. So faith sees the urgency. Does everybody understand now? Brothers and sisters, faith sees the urgency. What was the urgency? Let's go and keep reading. Verse 4, And God and, and Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Timlin, Tilim, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. Everybody see that? We're not going to keep reading this. Y'all don't know how it ends. Did he kill them all? But God said he remembered that, what they did. And I'm going to show you something. We won't turn there. But in the seventh chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, they came across these people again, and they didn't utterly destroy them. They, they, not, they were the first group of people that they ran into when they came out of Egypt in the book of Exodus and fought them and didn't destroy them. 
And then in the seventh chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, they run into those people again and didn't destroy them. And in the 25th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, the same thing. God told them utterly destroy them, and they did not. So then God said, okay, I'll wait till the next generation, a few generations down. Then let's get to Saul. Tell Saul the same thing. Utterly destroy them. Did he do it? <laughs> Y'all see the pattern here? Let's go real briefly. Let's go to the 30th chapter of this same book, 1 Samuel. So, uh, the 28th chapter, I'm sorry. Let's go to the 28th chapter of the book of 1 Samuel. Now, this is the chapter where Saul is basically, he's spending the last day of his life on earth. He's not hearing from God like he used to, not hearing from God at all. He goes to the witch of Endor as a last resort and asks her to call up the prophet Samuel because by this time Samuel, Samuel is dead. And he tells him, he tells her to call her up. Let's read verse, let's start reading. Let's start reading verse 11. Let's, let's go back to verse 10. No, let's go back to verse 9. It says, And the woman said unto him, that's talking about the witch, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that, that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? Everybody see that? She didn't know she was talking to Saul. You know why? Because Saul was backslidden. Isn't that something now? Saul is the one that cut off the witches and the warlocks out of the land. And he had backslidden so much, I got to disguise myself. I, listen, I got to act like I'm not a Christian to be around you. <laughs> Forget about everything I just preached. Forget about the life I've been claiming to live. I'm, not, I'm, I'm one of you now. Isn't that something? The witch had more sense than he had. Let's go and keep reading. Verse 10, And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice, and the woman spake to Saul, saying, why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. How did she know? That was Saul all of a sudden. Samuel come up. The real Samuel. Not the fake one. Not the one that was pretending to be like she was used to calling up. God sent the real one up. Does everybody see that now? And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice, and the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what thou was thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I said, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up. 
and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore have I called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me? Seeing the Lord is departed from thee, and is become thine enemy. Isn't that something? Uh, people ask, ask <laughs> men of God for favors all the time after God done rejected them. Know they got disobedience in their life and still won't, won't favor in prayer. Isn't that something now? Let's go and keep reading. Verse 17, And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Listen. Verse 18, now y'all pay close attention, and this is the key scripture. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord. Everybody see that? Everybody see that? Now y'all pay close attention to what we're about to read now. Nor executed whose fierce wrath upon Amalek. Everybody see? God intended for Saul to execute his fierce wrath, not, not Saul's wrath. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, faith sees the urgency. We have to get out of this moving on something when we feel like it, doing what we feel like doing in the moment. Saul didn't feel like killing children. Didn't feel like killing little bitty babies. Really didn't want to kill people. They ain't done nothing to me. But faith moves me out of the way. And it thinks about what does God think about it? Remember, I remember. Remember what this says here. Everybody see that? God's fierce wrath upon Amalek. Everybody see that now? Is that in your Bible? So in other words, brothers and sisters, we have to be obedient even when we ain't getting anything out of it. Do you know in the book of Hebrews it talks about how fathers, it talks about, it tells us as believers not to despise the chastening of the Lord because he does it for our good. He said our fathers in their own time, they whooped us for their pleasure. In other words, some of it had to do with their aggravation. But God is not that way. God ain't got to get nothing out of it. All, he, all he's got to see is this one here is going to grow up and be a problem. This situation, if it don't get canceled, it's going to be some stuff. Does everybody understand now? I, I, let me just put it. Let's bring it to today's terms. When you're at home, sisters, and the devil is bringing you thoughts about your husband, you cast that down, and you speak something different. If you don't see the urgency of it, you'll argue later. 
you have a big blow up later. It starts little. Does everybody understand that now? How many of you know the name of a serial killer? Just about all of us that's grown, we know the name of you, you, you. Do you know they were babies at one time? Do you know they weren't born with guns and knives in their hands? Do you know they, didn't, they weren't born with a taste for blood? But I tell you what, some parents somewhere, some parents somewhere didn't see the urgency. They thought Junior just was misunderstood when they caught him choking cats. It's not the big deal. All children go through. They all go through that spell of wanting to kill animals. <laughs> they all. What's the big deal? So what? He lit his tail on fire. I mean, didn't Samson do something like that? My little boy got that anointing. <laughs> Everybody understand that now. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we have to learn to see things before they happen. We have to learn. Does everybody understand? You ain't got to go. Uh, you think about this. If you live to be 80 years old, you're on one road that's 80 years long. And all you have to do to know you're on the wrong road is pay attention to the signs. You ain't got to go 80 years down that road before you figure out you're on the wrong road. Nobody goes to hell without knowing. Does everybody understand that now? All you have to do is pay attention to the signs. Jesus Christ talked about an abundant life. If I'm not having an abundant life, I'm on the wrong road. And I want to do something about it. And listen, none of these roads, brothers and sisters, have a turnaround. I have to back up. Does everybody understand that now? You can't keep going down the wrong road and looking for a shortcut to get on the right road. There is no shortcut. You need to repent. Repentance will turn you around. So everybody understand now what the Lord is saying. We have to see the urgency. We have to see the urgency. Does everybody see that now? So you might not think much about it, what we just read. That, that, that could seem like an unfair thing. Why would God reject Saul for that little, there's a whole lot of folks that's done way worse than him. Why would God reject Saul for that? Why not give him another chance? When you compare those two lives, King David and Saul, you can think, well, King David did a whole lot worse. He had a man killed and took the man's got the man wife pregnant and had, a, had him killed and thought he was going to raise his little child. That's a whole lot worse than what Saul. Saul didn't want to kill. Let's go. Again, brothers and sisters, you can't follow God with your fleshly, carnal mind. Everybody understand? Let's go real briefly now to the 30th chapter of the book of 
the same book, 1 Samuel. Is everybody there? The 30th chapter of 1 Samuel. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Now, and it came to pass. So is chapter 15 now uh, before verse, uh, chapter before chapter 30? So this is a few, this is about 16, 17 years later. All right? This, what we just read here uh, in, verse, in chapter 15, this was about 15 to 16 years before what we're reading now. Does everybody understand that now? Let's read verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that who? Who? What did they do? Bring milk and cookies? Thank, thank them for not utterly destroying them? They showed mercy. They, they showed thanks for that. What did they do? Invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captive. Ahonim, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were, was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Everybody see that? Does everybody see? Isn't that something now? Faith would have saw that. You want me to tell you what the issue is? What? what? God, from God's standpoint, God knows when a spirit follows a family. Esau's spirit was still in those people. They were a people of war. Why didn't God, what had the children done? Nothing, nothing at all. What did that little child do that I brought up here? Nothing. Hadn't done anything at all. She wasn't responsible for what, what they did in the, in the 17th chapter of the book of Exodus. Not, she wasn't there. She wasn't alive. Was she? No. So why would God tell Saul not only to kill men, but to kill the women? Not only kill the women, but kill the infant. Not only kill the infant, but kill the suckling. You know why? Because if you kill the men, the women will get remarried. And, and, and those men will be men of war. If you kill the men and women and raise the children, the children will know, you're not my real parents. Y'all killed my parents. So we're going to make war. Faith would have saw that. Now you understand, brothers and sisters, why you have to have faith if you're going to walk this, this life. 
Faith requires you to do things that you don't understand. They did not know 17 years later that they would be invaded by these same people who they should have killed and utterly destroyed. They didn't know that, but God knew it. And notice God didn't say anything to them about it. If you don't kill them, then this is going to happen. God didn't say that. God expects us to be obedient without the answers. Now you think about it. If they had been obedient, God would have, they'd have killed all those people, and God would have never told them why. Outside of what they had done centuries before. Brothers and sisters, we have to learn to move by faith without answers and without knowing how Amalek is going to come right behind us and bite us in the backside. Just know this. If you don't kill Amalek, he's going to kill you. We won't go any further in this particular story. But guess what man it was that leaned on Saul to finish destroying him. It was an Amalekite. And you know what's sad about it? Saul asked him to do it. Now, I hope we get this lesson. What you're not willing to destroy will destroy you. And you'll gladly receive it. What you're not willing to utterly destroy will destroy you. Does everybody understand that now? Some of us have already lived that life. Let's think about that now. Some of us have already lived that life. God have told us to get rid of something. We don't know why just yet. But then we keep playing with it, keep playing with it before we know what's done happened. Oh, now I see. But now I got a bad habit. Now I'm bound. I wish I'd have paid. Lord, I wish I'd have listened. Something told me. <laughs> and that Holy Spirit ain't or something. Call it what it is. Does everybody understand it now? It will utterly destroy you if you don't destroy it. But it takes faith to do it. Does everybody understand that? You're looking at somebody that didn't drink alcohol. And I don't think I'm better than anybody that has. I never did. You're looking at somebody that never smoked. I don't think I'm better than anybody that has, but I never did. Just from a little young age, I felt like it was wrong. I never saw my daddy drink, never saw him smoke. So I just felt like, well, I ain't supposed to do that either. Now, don't get me wrong. There were times I was tempted just being around people that's doing all of that. But then it's just something in me just wouldn't let me do it. And so I, and I wasn't saved.
we don't have to wait until we get lung cancer, until our liver is ate up to put stuff down. And you could say, well, I, you, know, I, I, you know, the Bible says take, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. Yeah, a little wine, not alcohol. The real wine, sour grape juice. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Uh, the, when the Lord turned water into wine, it wasn't no alcohol in it, none. He just supernaturally put grape juice in it and made it age a year or two until it soured. But there was no alcohol in it. So let's just shut that lie down right now. That was fermented wine, sour wine. Everybody see now? So I, I don't have to come to the end of my life before I realize I done made a wrong turn. Faith is going to see the urgency. You ain't got to wait until big accidents done happen to be able to see, oh, yeah, I should, I should have told you to put that knife down. You shouldn't have been playing with that. Does everybody understand? And I'm telling you, people, it's just like what it says in the Bible. People that walk by faith are persecuted by those that walk in their flesh. Because they think people that walk by faith are too hard. People that don't know me, and even people that think they know me, they would think, you too hard on, you know, you just, you know, I see the urgency. I've been close enough to a fire to not want to spend eternity in one. <laughs> and so when I see people heading down that fiery road, I cry loud, and I don't spare because I know fire is hot. It ain't none of it cool. And I've been close enough to one to, to, one to know I, that's, I don't want no part of that. For an eternity? Everybody understand now? Faith is not a feeling, brothers and sisters. It produces obedience without the presence of feeling. Does everybody understand that now? In the book of James, the second chapter, it talks about how our father Abraham was justified not by faith alone, but by works. Why? Because his faith produced the works. Isn't that right? Now listen at this. Why was he called the father of faith? i tell you why. Because he did not have to wait until Isaac got on his last nerves to put him on that altar. He obeyed. Even when Isaac being a good child, he obeyed and he was going to sacrifice him. A good child. Does everybody understand that now? Abraham was going to sacrifice his son who had not gotten on his nerves. 
Faith is not a feeling. Does everybody see? So it's easy to be obey God when you're in your feelings about something. You know, especially if God's moving in and God is having you to move in the direction that your feelings is leading you to. What if God had waited? What if God had waited until they had done them something? The Amalekites had done something to Saul and his crew before he told Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites. It would have been in the wrong spirit. You know why? Because it would have been in the spirit of revenge. The Bible says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. That's, that's, that's God talking. So when a parent spanked their children because the children got on their nerves, that's vengeance. That ain't nothing but revenge. And a child don't learn anything from it. Except you're just hateful. And in your feelings today, does everybody understand that now? Abraham was going to offer his son as a sacrifice without vengeance, without hatefulness. He didn't let it pile up. I just keep doing little stuff and let it pile up. Okay, okay. You've earned this altar today. Come on, come on. Let's go on up this hill. No, he didn't let it. God said, take your son, your, your only son, listen, who you love. <laughs> Isn't that something now? And brothers and sisters, that's how we have to be willing to move. God, I'm going to do it even when it ain't nothing in it for me. That's what faith does. Does everybody see that now? It, it sees the urgency without it having to fall all apart. It's amazing to me. It is amazing to me how folks don't want to try to save their marriage until somebody done brought divorce papers. Oh, it, oh so this is real. Okay, so what I got to do? What I got to do? too late. Faith sees the urgency. Faith sees where the divorce started. It didn't start with the divorce papers. It started with you allowing the devil to talk to you. Your little bad attitude for the last 20 years. That's where it started at 20 years ago. People don't just wake up one morning and decide to get divorced. They practice that for the, for the duration of their marriage. All the side iron, all that junk, all that spells divorce in, in, in the kingdom that you don't see. You have to see the urgency and do something about it before it all fall apart. One of the saddest things to see, just naturally speaking, is a football team, a basketball team, down by 20 points, ain't been playing worth a dime, and then all of a sudden they get some kind of inspiration and trying to hurry up and come back and still lose. Everybody rooting for them, but they lose. Why? Because they didn't come into the game playing. That's the way folks are in their marriages. I'm going to keep playing around, playing around, playing around. I'm going to keep, oh, so what? Yeah, I'm side-eyeing you. I don't like you, whatever. Whatever, go on then. Go on. 
And then they, when they leave, where you going? <laughs> I didn't mean that. Everybody understand now. Faith sees the urgency. You see it, in other words, faith see it from the beginning. God saw who was going to lead on Saul when he told him to utterly destroy the Amalekites. God saw who was going to come in and steal all the children and, and the wives and, and all of the young people before they came into Ziklag to do it. God saw all of that. And he tried to stop it from happening by telling them, do this. So listen, brothers and sisters, when we preach, when we speak to you from God's word, that's what we're doing. We see the urgency 20 years from now. We see what's going to take place. God had me to speak on dishonor this morning for a little bit because I see what's coming down the road. He knows what's going to happen. And if you don't have, I stood right in this spot last year and said, next year, there's some people who's sitting here today who's not going to be here next year. Stood right in this spot and said that. And did it happen? Because I knew dishonor was among us. And folks walked right into it. Oh, I don't know. They all got their own little reasons, but they walked right into what the law was trying to get them from, keep them from. Does everybody see that now? And that's the reason why, brothers and sisters, it's important for us to have honor. Because if we have honor, we'll receive things. Does everybody understand? Do you know <laughs> when Jesus said, one of y'all going to betray me? And the disciples begin to ask, Lord, is it I? All of them ask except one. <laughs> they all ask except one. The one who had already knew what he had set in place. And so when we have honor, we take the words of the man of God serious. And we'll ask that same question. Lord, is it I? Am I the one with dishonor? Am I the one that's not, that is not seeing the, the urgency of things? That's, I, I can't tell you how, how dangerous that is. People die all the time just playing with stuff. Don't see the urgency of it. It's, it's not important. Until life has been lost, until circumstances happen, things happen that you can't go back and undo. As long as we think we have the power to control something, we don't see the urgency of it. A wife arguing with her husband all the time, constantly nagging him. Don't see the urgency of it. I'll tell you what I got on my mind, you're going to sit there and hear it. Yeah, I know you don't like it. You're going to rebuke me and take me to the word. And then later on, I'm going to ask you for forgiveness. You're going to forgive me. What they don't see, every time they do that, they become more bold. They begin to cross lines that they didn't cross the last time. They think forgiveness is going to always be there. They're not counting on a husband checking out they're not counting on that at all. Warning you when your husband no longer going to sit there and argue with you. 
Well, he just let you talk going about his business. Don't say nothing to you. He done checked out. Warn to you when he don't bring you back to that word and show you what thus says the Lord is. It's over after that. But you got to say what you had to say. <laughs> you got it all out. He are, now he know. And the devil have you thinking you win it. Thank you, Lord, because I've been praying that, that the Lord would touch his heart and let him listen to what I got to say. Is he listening? No, his mind is on what he's going to eat later on. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? You want nothing. <laughs> Does everybody see that now? God is talking to somebody today. Let's take this as a warning. Don't get down that road and find out the hard way you should have listened. Does everybody see that now? I've had to warn people about different things uh, that would happen to them if, if, if they continued on. They continued on, and then stuff happened. It, that's not God's will. If God loves us enough to warn us, let's love him enough to, to take heed to it. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this word. Thank you for speaking to us, O oh God, and making your word plain to us. And God, we thank you for placing us here this day. Help us, Lord, to have faith, to see the emergencies in our lives, to see the, the traps that the devil have set. Help us, Lord, not to continue to go down the wrong road. Help us, God, to take heed to the things that you've said to us. Help us, Lord, to examine ourselves. Y'all stand up. Help us, Lord, to examine ourselves. And see what areas were the Malachites we haven't utterly destroyed. Help us to destroy the Amalekites, Lord, that the devil have sent in our lives to nag us, to cause problems, to take away our peace. Help us, Lord, to know that there's nothing good in Amalek. Help us not to keep Amalek as a pet to use for our own vices. Help us, Lord, to be obedient, even when we don't understand what you know and what you see. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we've disobeyed. Help us, God, from this day forward to obey your voice so that we can be received into your kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters, that's all now. We'll go ahead and be dismissed. We'll go to the back and we'll discuss the things that we've heard. All right, so now you're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.